Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie making process. Hosted by Tacos, a meal that lets you eat the plate. Now, let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Shelby Company Limited. We're like Brinks, but with a fun accent. Shelby Company Limited. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is a film podcast where we like to analyze movies because we like movies. You can skip around. Like if you if you didn't listen to episode 144, Nomadland, it's not going to ruin Rocky uh, episode number 145. Like you're you can just skip at will. We've pretty much been doing the same thing over and over and over. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, yeah, no, absolutely. We kind of follow similar formats. We talk about similar things and at times, but I think we like to try to keep it specific to the film as much as possible. I mean, that's why Wes takes notes and I just kind of follow along <laughs> with his notes. But yeah, each each film offers its own specific, you know, highlights that we like to 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 talk about and this is uh this week is definitely a good one for that. Yeah, what are we doing this week? This week we're covering Rocky, the first one. So if you haven't seen that, please pause this episode and go watch it. I believe it is streaming on HBO. Go ahead and pause this and come back because there'll be some spoilers. Yeah, and we'll talk about a few things. We'll touch on some of the cinematography. There's not a lot to say there, but we'll we'll definitely take a quick glance at it. And we'll discuss some of the writing and story and defying genre, some of the story breakdown and other such stuff and things and stuff. Absolutely. So a quick synopsis of the film. A small time boxer gets an unexpected chance to fight a heavyweight champion for the title. Directed by John G. Alvidson, written by Sylvester Stallone, starring Sylvester Sylvester Stallone as Rocky, Talia Shire as Adrian, Burt Young as Polly, Carl Weathers as Apollo, and Burgess Meredith as Mickey. You got something for me? Yeah, there was some guy here from Miles Jurgens looking for you. They need sparring partners for Apollo Creed. Put me on. There's a car. Who was it here? About an hour ago. They're probably looking for sparring partners for Creed, you know? I said that before, you dumb dago! You know, I've been coming here for six years, and six years you've been sticking it to me. I want to know how come. You don't want to know. Yeah, I want to know how come. You want to know? I want to know! Okay, I'm going to tell you. Because you had the talent to become a good fighter. And instead of that, you became a leg breaker to some cheap second-rate loan shark. It's a living? It's a waste of life. I love watching that clip whenever he starts breaking him down. He's like, instead instead of, you know, all the potential, he's like, you became a leg breaker. And I love that we're watching Rocky's re- reaction to hearing his life summed up so poorly and succinctly i mean it's it's accurate instead of watching mickey raging we're watching it land this punch that mickey's throwing is landing on rocky and it's just took the wind out of him and i love that editing yeah. decision and that you know that directorial decision for sure but three questions right off the bat one how many times have you seen this when was the last time you saw it and then did it resemble what you remembered it to be so yeah good questions 
I, at one point I said I've seen it a dozen times, but I definitely haven't seen it that many. I might have seen it like four, five times, but it's been a long time since I had seen it. So it was almost like watching it again for the first mm. time because there was a lot that I didn't remember. You know, I, I mean, the last time I saw it was probably 20 years ago, you know, something like that, like long, long time mm. ago. So I didn't realize a lot about it, about how I know he loses at the end, but I just didn't know how little about boxing this film really was. <laughs> we talked about it the other day. There's a boxing scene at the very beginning and then at the very end. And there's zero boxing in the middle. Zero. So, I mean, he doesn't even go on, you know, a spree where he does a bunch of fights and like wins them all, you know, or loses one or something like that. He doesn't ever fight anyone except for that one person at the beginning. Who's a bum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's a bum. So that was a major shock for me. I was thinking about it earlier. If there was ever going to be, if you ever needed a film to, to prove to you that story is king, this is definitely probably one of the best examples of that because you go into it thinking you know what you're going to get and you get it, you get what you want to get, but you kind of get, I mean, in the end, you definitely, you get something you don't expect you're going to get, but throughout the whole movie, you get stuff you don't expect you're going to get. Like you really get to live with Rocky and Sylvester Stallone does an amazing job of like being that guy. I mean, he's just this lovable dude. You can't help but like root for the guy and love him because he's so, he wants to help everybody. He tried, like he tries to help the girl in the corner. Um, he tries to help Polly all the time. You know, he tries to help the guy who he said he was supposed to break his thumbs and he didn't break his thumbs, you know, like he, yeah, he tries to help everyone. And so, and even when he gets kind of crapped on, right. He even try, he even helps Apollo when they're in the bar and they're watching that, they're watching the, I guess the show uh, that Apollo is on, on TV with the mm -hmm. bartender and the bartender's talking smack about Apollo or whatever. And he's like, what are you talking about? This guy is the greatest. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. And he gets, it gets mad. Like he gets mad at the bartender and he's, I don't know. There, there's something about like most of almost all the Rockies, they have these lines in them that are very iconic that are very like, Oh man, that's a meme before there were memes, you know, yeah. where he says, you know, I, like he took a shot. What shot have you ever taken? You know, things like that. Yeah. So yeah. So you, you end up loving him and, you know, wanting him to win and he doesn't win, but they set that up really well while he's laying down on the bed with, with Adrian. And he's like, he's like, I know he said, I, I just want to be standing. It's all, I, it's all I want. So they, they give, they, they let you know, it's going to be okay that he loses. That's not the point. The point is not to win. The point is to still be standing as such a metaphor for life, right? For that's, that's the point of the movie, I would say, you know? Yeah. It's funny because yeah. just to, to piggyback on that, the jiggy back. And so at the, <laughs> <laughs> at, it is a, a, a lot of contrast. This whole film feels like a bunch of contrast because in the beginning he wins a fight but it feels like a loss. Like everything about that victory at the beginning feels like a loss and everything oh, about point. that loss at the end feels like a victory. And I think a lot of it has to do with him finally maximizing his potential the way Mickey was wanting him to do. And then to your point, that conversation that he has with Adrian while they're laying down is just perfect because he confesses that he's going to lose. He's like, I'm not going to win this fight. He says it, you know, pretty point blank. And 
that's when he starts to redefine what a victory looks like to him. What does winning really look like to me? And he, he makes the comment like no one has ever gone the distance with Creed. And that's kind of a boxing term to say that you, you last the entire fight. If it's a 15 round fight, you are still standing at the end of 15 rounds. Or if it's a 10 round fight, if you go the distance, it means you last all the way through 10 rounds. And so he's saying Creed has knocked out everybody. He's won by a KO. Like no one's ever gone to decision. And that's what you, that's what you call that is whenever you last the entire fight. And now the judges scorecards are what determines who the winner is. And people might be surprised the way you score boxing is very different from the way you might imagine it. Like a really good punch is worth the exact same as a really bad punch. If it lands, it lands. That's, you know, kind of a point in your favor. And then if someone gets knocked down, you lose a point and each round is gauged by like, I, I forget, I think it's 10 points versus nine points. You either get one or the other. And so losing a point can really add up if, if you go the distance. And so he's telling her, he's like, that's all I want. If I can go the distance, that's a win that I'm not just a bum from my block, like that I am, you know, I'm adding up to something more than that. And so for him to be excited, even though he lost at the end, was him kind of proving to himself that he's much greater than than what everybody thought. I mean, what Mickey said to him, what, you know, the woman at the beginning said to him as he's walking off, she's like, he, he oh, grabs that whole opening sequence is mildly hilarious because it's, it's it's the worst victory of all time like people are during the fight are mad and they're like throwing garbage at him in the middle of the fight in this dingy dusty poorly lit arena and as he exits the ring he grabs a cigarette and he starts smoking yeah. like he's just trashing his body and before you say oh well that's the 70s no because you know halfway through the film his uh his loan shark boss sees him smoking he's like hey what are you doing you're training he grabs a cigarette and yeah. stomps it out like no they knew in the 70s that you're not supposed to be smoking and training yeah yeah so don't don't make that mistake and then you know he gets into the the, the locker room and he gets his his winnings for the prize fight of forty dollars and fifty five cents like that's his his take home and then he asked the guy, he's like, yeah, when do I fight again? He's like, eh, maybe in two weeks. <laughs> the doctor's going to come in and uh, basically just check minutes. you off. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You're, you're not going to get anything out of this. And yeah. And so all the contrast, all the, all the, it, it plays really beautifully. And to your point about like Rocky being this good guy who's looking after everybody. I mean, that's perfect. And the city itself feels like a bit of a character. It's, it's beat up. It beats up on you. And yet you have this kind of rose growing up in the concrete cracks that is Rocky Balboa. Like he's, he is looking out for people. He, he grabs the drunk guy off the, the steps of the bar, carries him inside and, you know, assigns him to somebody. He's like, Hey, here's your buddy. Now he's yeah. making sure people are taken care of. He walks to the little Marie home and he lectures her the whole way. And he's like, he, and he tells her, the thing that's really important to him, the thing that is true, you know, to a large degree in life is your reputation is what matters. And that's just as true now, 45 years later, as it, as it was then, like, and maybe even more true now than it was then with the way, you know, the internet works or whatever, like your reputation is all you have. Like if you want to change careers, it almost doesn't matter what your skill set is. If your reputation isn't going to sustain you, none of it matters. Like reputation is everything. And he's, He's over here trying to look out for her and give her the big picture. He's saying, 
look beyond this little moment right now. There's there's something bigger at play. And that's just him. It's this whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm already about to start diving into notes. Like, it's just. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fine. You can dive into notes. I will. A uh, couple other things I wanted to say. Yeah, please. Yeah, the, the, first, the first thing is that. I feel like this movie is such a metaphor for life and it's it's supposed to be. I mean, mm-hmm. all the Rockies try to be, right? Yeah. Some do it better than others, but all of them, I feel like for me, touch me in like a spot, right? You know, like in my heart, like all of them, every one of them. And some people are like, really, Rocky Five? Trust, there's something there, okay? And I think they're supposed to be. And I think that that's what this movie was trying to do. It was using something rough and identifiable to people whether you're affluent or whether you're destitute you know you get the idea of someone picking them working really hard picking themselves up from the bootstraps and making something of themselves that's one thing the other thing though is that i think that everybody also maybe maybe more more people than others understand that you can't do it alone. There's almost always somebody who helps you at some point to get you where you want to be. Now, let's be real. No way in hell would Rocky have made it to Apollo to fight him had Apollo not picked him. That's one thing, right? That's the biggest thing, I guess, for the movie, right, is is that. But also, there were other people, you know, like, Polly was a total dip, like... <laughs> like the the biggest asshole in any film ever probably but he still he still forced his sister to go out in the worst way ever by throwing the chick the the turkey out the the door she didn't want to go out he forced her to go out right and i know you know you can make the argument that he's like before that he's like why do you want to go out with my bum sister and all this other terrible things but he, he that was one thing also, the loan shark guy gives him 50 bucks, gives Rocky 50 bucks to go out with with Adrian, calls her by her, her name. He knows her name because of the circles, you know, whatever. And so throughout it, we see him getting this little bit of assistance, right? Little yeah. bit here, a little bit there. Mickey and uh, Mickey is a very interesting aspect that I'm going to get to in just a second. But, you know, Mickey coming coming and saying, I want to, you know, I want to be a manager. I want to train you, you know. So he gets these little little things, and I think it's because everybody everybody likes Rocky. Even if you're Polly, you know, and you're just a total jerk, you still like Rocky because he's just a lovable, lovable human being. The interesting thing about Mickey, it, I don't, I expected him to be in it a lot more. He mm. was barely in this movie. Yeah, I mean, the training montages, he was nowhere. He wasn't there. He wasn't part of it. He was literally his quote unquote manager, which is what he said he wanted to be. He, he like never trained him. Right. I didn't see any uh, real, tra- I mean, a little bit, he was like holding the, ba- his buddy was holding the bag. Yeah. But, but like, that was it really. It wasn't a whole lot, but the moments he was in were like so impactful and important. And it was really interesting. Like it really sets up Mickey to be who he really is. It doesn't. Okay. How do I put this? A lot of fight you know, boxing films, right? You've got the the trainer who's like, he knows it all and he's going to set the the, the mm. fighter straight. Yeah. In a way, it was the other way around. After after that scene, the scene you just played, right? Like he told, he gave Rocky a punch, right? Then Rocky gets his shot and all of a sudden Mickey's at his door. Like, where the hell were you 15 years ago when I started this? Like what, you know, Rocky had every right to be pissed off yeah. and he was. 
and they let him be pissed off and Mickey let him be pissed off and it they just sat in it. Mickey was a bum. Mickey was a bum. He was man. a front runner. You know, like yeah. Yeah, and and then he, and then like he was just a trainer at some some you know dinky gym. He didn't have any fighters who who could go to distance like like Rocky did, but he like wouldn't train him. And they allowed Rocky to be angry, you know, for a while. They they like let that happen rather than it just be a conversation. And then you know that was it. And then yeah. they get to training. It was like an ordeal. It was difficult for Rocky to accept that. It was difficult for Mickey to go there, but. Yeah, I felt like that was it the, was just really interesting. That was his retaliation because because in that exchange in that clip of that we played, Mickey lands his blow, and then when yeah. Mickey comes to his doorstep, now it's Rocky's turn. Now he exactly. gets to put on the gloves and he takes his swing, and it's so funny. It's so interesting his character, the when and why Rocky gets worked up. People take shots at him all the time, and he doesn't care. And especially in the first half of the film, he obviously cares if anybody says or acts mean towards uh, Adrian. But then for himself, he only gets worked up whenever he sees someone trying to take advantage of him because that's what it feels like. And he knows that's what's happening. He calls Mickey uh, on his on his garbage and he's like, where were you? You know, you've never been to my house before. What's wrong with my house? You know, and even when Mickey's in the room, this is one of those things that was really interesting Rocky still held it together. He was still going to be polite in front of his face. He's oh, going to say what point. he felt, but he's not going to be mean. And it's not until Mickey leaves that Rocky really starts to let go. It's it's like he's aware of his physicality and he's like, I'm not going to use that to win this kind of fight. I'm going to use, you know, my kill him with kindness, you know, instead. And then when he leaves, that's when he starts really teeing him up and screaming and punching. And like, that's... That's when he wins his fight. And it's not until he's kind of punched himself out before he kind of chases him down the street. And he's like, and then their little exchanges, it's quiet. We don't hear a word. We just kind of see and feel it. And we're like, yeah, he got brilliant. He got his last, you know, punch in. And now, okay, we're on even square again. I can respect you since now you're capable of respecting me because I can give you something that you couldn't get for yourself. You exactly. see, you see the opportunity, but you're not going to walk in and just no bumps and bruises. <laughs> you know, you're going to take your lumps yeah. too. Yeah. His whole, there were a lot of, mm -hmm. there were a lot of like long wide shots, right? Like a mm -hmm. lot, like where they just linger and they hold or they move the camera and they just keep one, they do oneers. And I, yeah. I mean, you could call it oneers, but they're not like super long, but they're long enough to notice that we haven't cut away for yeah. a while or, you know, wide enough to notice hey this is a moment for them you know like in that shot mm -hmm. i'll let you get into your notes but i absolutely loved it well no one other question is so it sounds like you grew up with rocky like watching all oh, the yeah. films yeah oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> big part of your life <laughs> like yeah i didn't like i knew kids that loved rocky i didn't i did not like any of the movies i didn't really try to watch most of them the only one the only time i'd watch it if i was forced to at a friend's house and if i could possibly escape i would find that escape route like i wow. sincerely hated them um i never tried to watch the first one now this one was new and i watched it probably for the first time same as you 20 15 20 years ago and i was like okay that's that's actually good that's actually a really good movie <laughs> and i was kind of surprised because of how much i hated all the other ones growing up and in fact, I think the first Rocky film I watched that I loved was Rocky Balboa because 
Oh, the, yeah. The first time I tried to watch a movie, a Rocky film, was Rocky Four, And I know this is sacrilege to every guy in America. I hated it. It's, to this day, the only movie I've walked out of in a theater. Like, I was just beyond bored and just hated every aspect of it. It was so cheesy. <laughs> and you have to understand, I was a child. I wasn't like, you know, this 20-year-old artist or something. Like, I was a kid. And to add, you know, a little more layer to that, a very poor kid. We didn't go to the movies almost ever. When we went to the movies, it was the dollar show. Like yeah. I could count on one hand the number of times that we saw a movie like opening weekends or full price movies. It just never happened. And so to go to a movie was a big deal because I love movies and to get to see one in a theater was a massive ordeal. And so going to a movie and walking out of it was like as big of a protest as I could have ever made in my life. That was my million yeah. in March. Like that was wow. just, it wow. was huge. And so I hated it so much. And finally kind of discovering Rocky and Rocky Balboa, I was just like, Oh, this is great. There's like a really good character in here. So um, have you watched it again? I've not tried. Rocky four? No. I mean, maybe okay. I'll, I'll give it a go. I hear Rocky too. You don't have to. Good. I'm just curious. Yeah, I have zero desire. I don't know what it is about most 80s films that I just sincerely loathe. Like, it's painful to watch most of those films. And Rocky Four is kind of the epitome of an 80s movie for me. Yeah. But, yeah, so I did not grow up as a Rocky fan whatsoever. And so watching this one and the, the last one, uh, Rocky Balboa, I love. I love them so much. And it's for all the reasons that you've been saying. It's like, I. it's such a good point about the, the manager because... This movie really defies genre like in every way because it's not a sports film. It's disguised as a sports film, but it's it's a pure drama and even worse than a drama for a sports film. It's a character study like it's not even like a normal drama <laughs> where, uh, you know, there's there's all these characters and they all want something from each other. And there's this tension and resolution. And instead, no, it's just a pure character study of uh, a failed boxer you know, and we just kind of follow him around. And every scene, we're exploring who Rocky is piece by piece. We're kind of putting together this picture. That's all a character study is. It's putting together a picture of a person. And usually, I think the the more contrast and upset expectations that you can build into it, the more interesting it gets, you know, the layers that you're going to get out of that. And so I love how we see how he reacts to various circumstances in his life, which of course slowly reveal more of who he is because it is a great contrast between his profession and his personality. He's a fighter. He's a strong arm, right? Mickey calls him a leg breaker for a loan shark. And that's what he does to get paid for his living. And yet he's gentle and he's caring. Like that's a beautiful contrast. And it feels so organic and, and natural to who he is, especially in context of the city, right? This, this really rough and, and tumble city. But Rocky is this kind, calm, steady personality through it all. And so we kind of get a tour through the film and not a high level, right? Like I said earlier, we start with a victory that feels like a loss and end with the loss that feels like a victory. And that's all because of the way Rocky sees the world. We're seeing the world through his perspective, not necessarily through societal norms and standards, right? We're not allowing the, the, the rules. And it goes back to your absolute perfect point that this is a movie about life. And it's, it sounds so, I don't know, um, uh, 
just simple, right? It's very reductive and it sounds cliche and boring whenever you, you put it that way, but it is. And that's why it's so good because they do it in a way that it, it does feel genuine. It doesn't feel like they're, they're spoon feeding you or doing anything ham fisted because it's so earned and it's so explored and you, you feel lived. Everything about this feels very lived and, and broken in and broken, you know, in so many ways. And so I'll bounce through just uh, the story breakout because I, I literally logged every single scene of the film. I was just curious, like, what are the scenes? And so there's roughly 40 scenes, but at the beginning, right. Uh, we already kind of talked about the boxing match that he wins. That just feels like a failure. <laughs> like it's so bad. And then after that, he walks home and we get to see his life. Like we're exploring his life. We see his garbage apartment, right? It's just, it's in the worst part of town and there's nothing in it. Like the bed is literally curled up in the corner of the room waiting to be unfolded so that he can go to sleep. Like it's just, it's not the way you would, think of a successful prize fighter living we go to the pet store and this is where we meet adrian and it takes a little while before we realize who adrian is to him but after that you know we we're just popping around we go to his job as a bill collector and he lets a guy off without breaking his thumb he sets up this expectation like hey i was told if you don't have 200 bucks i gotta break your thumbs and yet he's a softy he's a strong arm who's a softy we see him give the money to his boss and he takes his cut. It's 20 bucks of the 130 that he delivers. And then his boss gives him grief for letting Bob off without breaking his thumbs. And I love that his boss pulls him aside. He doesn't correct him in front of his other guy, his driver. Like he's like, Hey, let's talk. Let's, let's have a little conversation. And I think it goes right back to the point you made about everyone loves Rocky. <laughs> like yeah. this is a loan shark. He's supposed to be kind of the, the worst of the worst. And yeah, he's over here saying, Hey, stop doing that. You're making me look bad. <laughs> That's kind yeah. of the, the worst. Of course, you know, there's some people that you probably don't want to pick a fight with. And one of those is going to be your strong arm. He can defend himself. <laughs> Still not if you're that guy, not if you're that yeah, guy, okay. like he's probably got other people on his payroll that he can call up. Oh yeah. And then from there we go to the boxing gym to find out he's being evicted from his locker, right? Uh, forget what he calls it, Skid Row or whatever. He's just kind of hung out to dry, you know, pun, whatever. Uh, and Mick says that he fights bums and that he should retire. This is a, this is the guy who runs the gym that Rocky goes to and he's evaluating him and he's kind of summarizing him. And the big picture here is that Ro this is a man who's so down on his luck. It doesn't get much worse. He has nobody in his corner and he's getting respect from nowhere and no aspect. Uh, from there, we pop back to the pet store again, right? And hey, here's Adrian again. And so we're starting to get a picture of who she is to him. And then we go over to the tavern, right? He carries the drunk guy. There's these casual exchanges with the patrons. And then we meet Polly. And then, of course, like you said, we were introduced to Apollo and he's looking at Apollo and this bartender's like calling him a clown and... Rocky's like, what have you ever done? When did you ever take a shot? And the bartender's like, I don't need to. And it's that's that's such the thing that people who never, you know, tried in life to to push for their dreams. Look, if this guy's dream in life was to have a, a bar with almost nobody in it, and that's his definition of, of success. Cool. I get it. I'm sure he took some risks starting up that bar. I'm not saying that was probably the easiest thing in the world, but the way it, I think the telltale sign of the, the, his character is the way he's looking at other people 
who really did go after their dreams and the way he's kind of dismissing them. That to me kind of defines, okay, yeah, fine. You, you know, you have your business, but it doesn't sound like you're actually fulfilled. It, it sounds like it's easier to kind of throw stones and call people clowns who chase their dreams. And I, I, I love Rocky's reaction to that. He's like, you know what? F off. <laughs> like, who are yeah. you? Who are you to judge anybody? And then finally, you know, uh, we meet Marie and he big brothers her. He's just trying to look out and help, help people. And it's not until this next scene, this is scene 10. We're like, I don't know, 40 minutes into the film before we get our first actual plot point. <laughs> and which is we're finally meeting Apollo. Like we're in his room and we're hearing how he needs a new fighter. And now he's dreaming up this idea of let's give a local Philly boxer a shot at the American dream. And that's kind of the the end of that sequence. Like they haven't even picked Rocky yet. It's kind of, it, so it's almost not even a plot point. It's the hint of a plot point <laughs> to come. That's ultimately the plot and plot, you know, is just kind of the, the device that drives the story forward. It's the, the, the deciding reason or actions that our characters are compelled to take without a plot you know you can still have a story you can still have you know a reason for being here it could just be the character study maybe the rest of the movie could be just rocky walking around talking to people <laughs> like that could be your movie but it's much more exciting and the the reason that people bought the ticket was to see him fight and so that becomes our plot from that Apollo sequence, we now go back to him as a bill collector again. And this is an interesting scene because he's kind of getting the loan shark numbers, right? And he's kind of tangling up the numbers. And then that's whenever they have that conversation about, yeah, so you're going on a date tonight. Like, whoa, how do you know about my, uh, how do you know about my date? And what's interesting to me about that scene is that we finally see Rocky get worked up. He doesn't even get worked up after a fight. He, in that opening fight, he goes back into the locker room with the guy that he just beat and they don't even care. Like they're so emotionless yeah. about the whole thing. Spider, Spider Rico or whatever. But here he gets worked up because this guy starts calling Adrian slow. Like he's making fun of her he, saying that, you know, she has some kind of mental handicap, which, you know, from the viewer perspective, you don't really know what's going on. She's super quiet and we kind of understand that she's shy and reserved, but I love that they kind of push that a little bit further to establish really she is just shy. She is just reserved, but more importantly, Rocky isn't going to let anybody talk about this girl that he likes. He's not even going out with her. Hasn't asked her out. Hasn't gone on a date. She doesn't even know maybe that he exists, <laughs> Like, but he gets so frustrated and that's such a beautiful moment to see what winds him up. And it's the thing that he cares about and also just dismissing her and uh, mocking her. He doesn't like people being mocked and made fun of almost as a rule. And I think that's a recurring theme throughout some of the other movies that I have seen. Like Rocky's a stand-up guy. And so we, we kind of finally find his button. And then the next scene, right, is Apollo picking Rocky because it really just has a great ring to it. Doesn't know who the guy is. And to some degree, he's Apollo's calling him a joke. Like this guy, whatever, like he's a punchline. And so I love the back-to-back, -back, you know, sequencing of that, of establishing that Rocky doesn't like people being made into a punchline. And then now he himself is about to be made into a punchline. And so it's at the end when he sticks up for himself, 
where he kind of shows up to the ring and to the match to, you know, defy ex- his own expectations. It's just everything about that setup and sequencing is, is, you know, beautiful to me. And the next like 20 minutes is him going on a date. <laughs> like, it has nothing to do, like you said, with boxing. It's him trying. This is his big match. This is his big, you know, fight is winning Adrian over. And it's so good because we're kind of set up for disappointment because when we're walking with Polly and Polly's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very excited to meet you. And of course we get in there and she's like, the lights are off. (laughs) (laughs) She runs into her room. Oh yeah. And Polly's the worst. He just throws the, the turkey out and like rips a drum, drum, drum it off. And he's just you hungry rock <laughs> um, and he's just yelling and berating her to go on this date and rocky's like this isn't what i signed up for and Polly like kind of coaxes him into coaxing her out and they go out and they're skating and rocky this whole sequence this whole date sequence feels like a fight and i think a lot of this movie is is framed in fights because rocky's just kind of taking the shot He's chatting her up relentlessly. Even on the this, this, the ice, this guy is yelling, seven minutes. He's just screaming in the background as he's trying to have a romantic day. And he can't skate. He's in his boots. And she's just not speaking at all. And he knows he's got to carry the conversation. And so he's doing everything that he can. He has to bribe the guy to let him on the ice in the first place. And it, he feels like mama. I don't know if everyone watched that that video of the mama bear trying to get all her cubs across the road and they're all just kind of scrambling around and traffic has stopped trying to let them cross and there's four of these little cubs that are just running around everywhere and she's trying to escort them all over the road so that they can go back into the forest and it's so adorable and hilarious and the there's this woman that's kind of narrating it and she's like yeah i feel you i feel your pain girlfriend <laughs> and it's <laughs> And it's so good. But that's how Rocky feels because she kind of wants to go home and the guy on the ice is saying, yeah, y'all shall go. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. Everything's good. And so we finally get to the apartment. Rocky kind of has to like coax her into the apartment and defuse her and that whole sequence. Now it's uh-huh. in 2021. That's a sketchy yeah, sequence. That's pretty sketchy. <laughs> First, tell me what you thought of that before I kind of lay out whatever I thought. I don't even know what I think. It was but. so uncomfortable. <laughs> so uncomfortable for me. But yeah, I, I would never do that. And that would never make it in a, in a film in 2021. Definitely not. But in 1975, sure. Or whenever. When did this movie come 76. out? 76. 76? Sure. You know, I think that that was probably semi-normal okay so there were just a couple of moments really that were like very uncomfortable i don't think the mm-hmm. whole thing was super uncomfortable but yeah. like for, i mean first off it was it was pretty ballsy of, i mean she's barely said a word right and it's pretty ballsy of him to bring her back to his place right yeah. secondly it's pretty ballsy of her to actually go in in the first place but when they get in the apartment him locking the door Ooh, that was yeah that was weird right yep. him taking off his shirt that was weird. But then he goes on across the room to the other side of the room, sits on the couch, mm-hmm. right? So there's distance there. So yeah. I felt comfortable. He starts walking up to her, you know, kind of hangs on the door frame a little bit. I'm thinking, okay, I'm still okay. You know, I'm like testing my feelings. I'm like, I'm still okay. 
then she tries to leave and he kind of corners her literally in the corner. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this does not feel comfortable at all. But then he he says he's going to kiss her. Like he doesn't just like throw himself mm-hmm. on her, right? I guess you could call it a warning. Yeah, that's warns her, <laughs> which is could be construed as as a a proposition, right? Yeah. Because she could have said, no, I don't want to let me go. Yeah. Right. But, you know, that's that it also is like a slippery slope because like, right, you know, especially mm-hmm. nowadays, I mean, it should always have been like this. I totally understand. But like, especially nowadays, it's, it's like you just can't assume that the answer would ever be yes, really. It, you need Particularly to. Particularly in that scenario where right, like you said. You're in the guy's apartment. He has his shirt off. He's got you in a corner. You are absolutely pressured yeah. to not say no, yeah. right? Not to say yes, but to not say no, which is there's a difference. And so especially someone as meek and, and quiet as she, as her character is, but it felt out of character a little bit to me of who Rocky is to be so aggressive in that regard, yeah. which to me says the 70s. Yeah. Right. That's what that set speaks. It's it's the time period mm-hmm. rather than the character, because I think that a lot of maybe that was what it was. I, I don't know. It wasn't alive, but maybe that was what it was like in the 70s. Right. Where it was it was kind of like assumed or, you know, like that was what guys did were very aggressive like that. And women liked that and wanted that or just didn't respond negatively to it, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely put that up to the the year, you know, 76 values and and coupled with I think they were going for more of a boxing analogy that he's got her cornered and now he's going in for the the kill and they weren't thinking so much about the implications of what they're demonstrating as much as let's play up let's keep playing this boxing analogy and let's push that as far as we can take it and so i think that's where their headspace was mostly but i think your play-by-play is really perfect like yeah there's a lot of sketchy things and then there's like okay we're we're kind of recovering and then she's literally looking for a phone to call her brother and he's like nah <laughs> and then she goes yeah. to open the door <laughs> and he's like nah <laughs> like, like it's it's like whoa nah. okay yeah um, it's creepy man yeah it doesn't feel like his character yeah i think that was one that he probably won the 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 good thing is what follows after that like she yes. does you know participate and she does get involved and then especially the scenes after that, like we see that she really cares for him and, and that he's really not just after sex because at one point she's trying to make a move on him. He's like, no, I'm in training and he's kind of, you know, rude to her and he apologizes for that. And so you can see the formation of a healthier relationship that started in this really strange and awkward place. And so I appreciate, you know, what followed, even if the that scene itself is, uh, yeah, creepy, I think is the, the right word for it for sure. <laughs> So, you know, this is an interesting question that, you know, like I look at that and I think I didn't like that scene at all. Yeah. I really love this movie, but I hated that scene. I feel I felt like it it like totally went against this character like we talked about. And I wish that they had either done it differently or like didn't have it in there that way. Mm-hmm. Right. 
But then the question arises, like, in reality, sometimes that is the relationship. Like, sometimes hmm. something like that happens to start a relationship that ends up being a very good one, right? In that case, like, are you honest and and do you or not honest? Honest is the wrong term. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to do you know what I'm trying to get at? Like, I don't know, because in in we'll have to cover future Rockies in order to kind of like pan out what I'm thinking. Mm. But this kind of Rocky comes back, right? Uh. And so maybe, maybe the idea here is that there are there are layers even to this good guy, right? Mm. It shows like this is more of a of the leg breaker rocky right you know because for what he let's wants let's be honest we yeah. didn't see him break anybody's thumbs but i guarantee you he broke people's thumbs yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. we didn't see him and adrian you know get it on what like i guess the point is that there is that aggressive i'm going to fight for and get what i want side of rocky and i guess that's how they wanted to show it in that regard because they didn't want to show him break anybody's thumbs Maybe that was too much. Mm. I got, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it will show him be aggressive with, with Adrian in a physical way. Yeah. That was the hardest scene for me to watch for sure. And it was, yeah, it takes very, a lot. Very interesting. It take, it yeah. Took a I lot think it does. Me. Now that I've kind of talked it through, I think it does kind of line up in a, in a way with some future Rockies. Really? Not to, you know, give anything away or anything, but I think that that kind of Rocky comes back. So it just adds another layer of the onion, you know? Whoa, interesting. Yeah, maybe yeah. I will rot, watch the rest yeah. of the Rockies just to see, you know, the full the full story. Who is this man? Been a, I, Who is this person? Have you not watched any of the others? Not really. I mean, I remember kind of Rocky Five, and I remember kind of enjoying Rocky Five actually. But I which one was that? That was that with the kid, the young yeah. guy. Yeah, it's like oh, a street okay. fight. I remember that. that was the yeah, yeah fight was a street mm-hmm. fight yeah i don't know i think one of the things that really bothered me about and this movie is the same not as bad as like rocky four the fighting is so bad like as far as t- the technical aspect of boxing like they're not boxing <laughs> that's not i don't know what that is yeah it's like fight ballet at best but it's definitely not boxing it's not you know what you would expect from people who are professionally trained and going for the the, the title but yeah yeah and i don't know so anyway so the it's it's interesting like the, every every scene every sequence i feel like is just kind of peeling back another layer of who he is and finding out you know how he responds to circumstances in order to kind of reveal you know more and more about who this guy is because it's not until halfway into the film literally you know right at the midpoint before Rocky even knows that he's going to get a title fight. Like yeah. we spend the first half of the film just hanging out with him and getting to know his life. And then the second half of the film is mostly just more of the same, but now with uh, the the stakes inverted, suddenly he is someone. Now we kind of see how he responds to the, how people respond in his life to the idea that he's going to be somebody or that he could be somebody. And so it's, suddenly we were testing all of these dynamics that we've kind of set up. We set up all these dynamics about how nobody cares about him, how nobody's in his corner. Now everybody's fighting a little bit for his attention. And, and it's so great to see he sticks with his people. Like he is frustrated with Polly because Polly's playing that same game of, Oh, let me take advantage. And yet he still loves Polly. Like he doesn't try to start running off with anybody else. He stays with Adrian because that's who he actually likes and that's who he cares about. And even Mickey, he gives a shot 
Like he's kind of giving everybody what he got. He got his shot. Now he's kind of letting everybody else get their shot too. And that's really cool. It just kind of reaffirms, you know, like, yes, this is who I want to win. And this is who I care about. And of course the, the montage, I'm sure there's videos and articles that really lay out the importance of Rocky from a cinematic standpoint because of the montage, the whole fighting sequence, running on the train tracks, running through the market around the river, the speed bagging, the push-ups like this was a very defining moment in cinematic history because i don't know and this is where i'm saying maybe i'll look up you know some videos and articles because i don't really understand the historical context of why that was such a big deal i just know that everyone has copied it ever since <laughs> like mm-hmm. that became to your point like meme quality stuff and I love it not just for the energy that it gives the film, but for a couple of other reasons. The rest of the film is very stoic and and moody and melancholic. All the music, this piano that's just kind of meandering around and showing us how depressed everything is in his life. And then this sequence pops off and suddenly, what do we have? What is this? Is this is this hope? Is it could we actually win this thing? Like it and of course we get to see his progress because the first time in roughly the uh, 23rd scene there's this light montage of him waking up and eating raw eggs he's just cracking one egg after another into this glass and he just gulps it down and burps and then he goes for a run in this empty deserted city he's by himself he's so lonely and he runs up the capital steps but he's too gassed to really finish strong he's he just barely makes it up there and he's just doubled over and so when we get to the real montage and he finishes strong up on top and this beautiful shot of him overlooking the city as the sun is kind of rising in the distance what a gorgeous gorgeous shot i wish they would have just hung out on that shot instead of cutting to the reverse and then the close up and the slow mo shot like if they i really just love that that really gorgeous kind of silhouetted shot of him on the city and there's just energy and there's this hope that comes along with that and the music of course is a major shift of of tone and energy from everything else we've been hearing and it kind of fulfills what we started because at the at the beginning we have this huge massive rocky title sequence or i don't even may not even call it a sequence it's a shot of the rocky title just scrolling by and taking up the entire screen it's it's so big it it can't even be on screen all at once like it has to scroll by and it's this and it's such an interesting way to start the film for because it makes you believe it's a sports film and it's not but it's the promise that they're giving you with the title it feels like a ring card. It feels like this giant ring card on the screen. And then, you know, we spend the next, you know, hour and 50 minutes <laughs> doing anything but fighting. <laughs> yeah. And it's but so fighting good. at the same time. But you're yeah. right. There's a good ring. It's a ring card. And yeah. There you go. Because he's around fighting for his life. He's fighting for meaning and to just exist, yeah. you know, to some degree. But the rest of the cinematography is a, you know, it's a lot of hard shadows and maybe some hard. It's interesting because there's hard shadows, but I wouldn't say that the the lighting itself is super, super hard from a contrast standpoint, I guess. It's it's not high contrast as like medium contrast, I guess. The 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 whites aren't super blown out and the the blacks aren't super lost in detail. And so they have this really interesting texture to it. A lot of static shots, a lot of slow dollies and tracking shots. 
it's it's a very calm film, which uh, I think you know helps add energy to to the end sequence whenever you know they're fighting it out. But even some of that felt you know fairly static, and we're just kind of fly on the wall. But I think the most important part of the cinematography was the colors. Like most of the movie is very muted and desaturated until the fight. When we get into the fight and we're in that ring, everything's bright, everything's saturated. There's so much energy in that that you know, and the even the the contrast gets higher too. It's just beautiful and it adds so much significance. And it feels like we have finally arrived. And even seeing him on stage before the night before, and you see like the the post the banners hanging, like they're so huge, and you can feel him feel small in that ring because that's where he gets deflated. And even the manager that pops out and he's like, What are you doing here? Yeah, you're gonna give us a great show. He's just being dismissed. And that's when he feels his place in the world. He's like, oh, I don't win this fight. And that's when he goes home and has that perfect conversation with Adrian where he has to rethink about what winning actually is to Rocky. It's like, oh. So um, in the fight scene, did you feel like it was different than other fight scenes? Usually there's a formula for Mm -hmm. boxing fight scenes, right? You get into it, you get your ass handed to you, and then you start to come back. And then you really get the shit kicked out of you and you feel like everybody thinks you're going to lose. And then you start coming back, come back harder, you come back harder. Maybe there's another punch, a couple punches thrown at you, but then you end up throwing the last final blows and you win, right? Mm -hmm. That's usually a typical formula for boxing. 100%. I I didn't necessarily feel that from, from this fight. And I'm curious what you felt because... It felt like to me that he was he was with Apollo the whole time. It didn't feel even when he got knocked down, it was only a you know a few seconds of him being, you know, like stunned. Oh, I got knocked. He only got knocked down once. Mm-hmm. Right. And he gets back up. And but they don't live there a lot where he's just getting the shit kicked out of him. No, and what's you interesting know? about him getting knocked down is I think you're right, because it's almost more important to see how Apollo reacts to him getting knocked down. Apollo's ready to be done and he's just like I mean when he gets back up yeah he, he, he's getting yeah, back up and it's you, awesome you see this kind of defeat on Apollo's face like what does it take to keep this guy down <laughs> yeah yeah but you Mickey tells him to stay down yeah that's right Mickey's like hey in we, that scene we've had enough <laughs> which is a weird yeah. thing for your manager to say but I guess you need to have that that thing that has Rocky saying, you know what? No, I'm, I'm pushing Yeah. because I, my impression, and I don't know if you felt anything at all, but of Mick saying that was, you know, you're going to hurt yourself. Like you've, you've done. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, No, that's a really great observation, man. I didn't notice that, but you're absolutely right because the first, it's the first ring uh, round that we established that Rocky belongs in this fight. He can hang. He knocks him down. Boom. Yeah. And then Apollo comes right back. And, and I love the the comment after that round when a, Apollo's manager says, he doesn't know this is a joke. He thinks this yeah. is a fight. You know, you're going to have to go out there and fight him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's so perfect yeah. because the, the run up to this fight is so good from seeing things from Apollo's perspective because they're they're leading us to think that this is the perfect upset match because Apollo isn't taking it serious. He's we're watching. There's this shot where we're watching Rocky train on the TV while we're watching Apollo just conduct business in a suit. Like he's uh-huh. nowhere. He's a million miles from training. 
And his buddy's like, hey, uh, Apollo, this Rocky guy's taking this serious. <laughs> He's over here fighting. Yeah. And you need to come see this. Yeah. And, and he doesn't. Yeah. And they're just pumping our hopes and expectations up that Rocky could win. And so it, it feels very emotionally conflicting to see him lose because we see, we understand the excitement because of that conversation with Adrian. And we also were hoping for him to, to actually make it. And that's one of those things that makes us Oscar worthy. It's, it's not, it's for the exact reason. I think you just said it's not a sports ending. It doesn't go through the beats of a sports film of seeing him, you know, kind of dominate and then get his butt handed to him and then rally back, you know, at the last second, like it's none of that. And every other Rocky movie has that and has that formula built yeah. into it. But this one, it wanted something different. And that's mm -hmm. why it got all the attention that it deserved because it defied the genre that people think that it's in. And it's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I remember for the longest time, I didn't like it because he didn't win. You want to see the guys win. They, you want to see your hero. You want to see the guy win. Yeah. And you know, I wasn't always into movies growing. I mean, I loved movies growing up, but I wasn't, you know, as crazy about them as I am now. And, you know, I would just see, I just wanted everything to be good, right? Everything to be yeah, happy. It, <laughs> it just continually in every way, it just defies the genre from, you know, like you pointed out between the fight and Mick, Mick is not the, uh, like you were saying, he's not the, the, the perfect philosopher who's scraping Rocky off the ground and teaching him life lessons. And it's the exact opposite. Like, like you said, Rocky teaches him a life lesson. Even Adrian is, is, is against genre. She's not this, you know, this sex pot that is just, you know, the, the perfect girlfriend that, you know, is in it for the money or, or she's loves them no matter what, like Rocky has to fight for her and she's shy and she's reserved and she's very conservative and Rocky kind of has to pull her, her out of, you know, her, her own way, because the more we get to, to, to know her, initially we, we kind of are, we understand Polly's perspective to some degree, like, what is it that you do see in this girl? Like she doesn't talk to you. She doesn't, you know, make this big effort in her life. She, she seems to be perfectly content with, you know, being quiet and being a, you know, the owner of, or a, a worker in a pet store, uh, which is fine. But Rocky saw something more in her. And then once, you know, they get together, you can see her blossom. She, she comes out of her skin. She starts defending herself to her brother, you know, and, and mm -hmm. she starts being the aggressor in their relationship. Like you see her shift and you see her energy come, come out in a different way. And even at, at the end, she's still not, you know, this, uh, prototypical sports film, you know, girl, like she's, she's her own person and she's still elegant and she's still gorgeous and she's not afraid to, to put herself out there, but, in, but it's still in the way that she's comfortable, it never feels inauthentic to her. And I appreciate that, especially from a writing standpoint, because she's being written by a guy and you have to factor that in. And it never felt to me, you know, at least comparing this to other sports films that, you know, Sylvester treated her any lesser. I mean, the rest of this film is very different. I think if we were to go watch the rest of the movies of the 70s, there's probably not a lot of black people in Oscar winning pictures like this mm -hmm. film is filled with black people. And that's very against <laughs> movies at large, but they made, yeah. you know, uh, 
obviously Apollo and you could easily say, oh, it was just because it's an athletic movie. Trust me, there's all kinds of films throughout the 70s, 80s and even 90s that are whitewashed that you would expect to be filled with minorities. And this movie didn't do that. Like I just watched I went on a bender of watching John Hughes films. These movies take place in Chicago and there's nary a black person in sight. Don't tell me that it's not possible to whitewash, you know, genre or setting. But this entire film is filled with it. Like he goes to his gym, the gym he's working out of. It's not like, oh, this is the white gym. No, everybody's Mm -hmm. boxing there. There's white people, there's black people. And so I just love, you know, how true and honest it was about the world that he was presenting. And so, yeah, this felt completely authentic. Yeah. The first three Rocky films, all he fights black guys, all three movies. Wow. It's not until the fourth one that they bring in. Second one is Apollo again. Apollo. Third one is Mr. T. Mr. T. That's right. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be as a kid. I wanted to be Mr. T. Uh, Dude. I loved the third one. Yeah. Loved it because Mr. T is a monster in that film. Huh? He's an absolute demolisher and he just does not care. He's like, he's like Muhammad Ali, but louder. <laughs> right. Where he just says, I'm the greatest and no one will ever touch me or whatever. But he's yeah. like louder about it. Right. And more aggressive and just hates Rocky. And like you think, and even Rocky's like, oh, sh- shit. <laughs> anyway, I, I remember loving that film. I wonder if I would still like it as much now, but. Anyway, I'm surprised that because as a kid, I, I literally wanted to be Mr. T. I'm not like exaggerating when I say that I wanted the Mohawk. I wanted the whole shebang and I would ask my mom can. for that. I mean, I, I yeah, that moment might have made it fast, but get some chains, <laughs> get the chains, get the ropes. Yeah. And I literally my mom wouldn't. She laughed. She thought it was hilarious, uh, but she wouldn't let me get a Mohawk. And I'm surprised, like, I would totally give my kid a mohawk if they came up and was like, I don't care for any reason. Like, yeah. Oh, you want a mohawk? Yep, that's done. We are absolutely about to do that right now. I gave my son a mohawk before he knew he to ask for one. (laughs) I think he was three. (laughs) And I was like, we're doing this. There you go. Enjoy. Hope you like it. Yeah, I know he didn't care. Meanwhile, they were very happy to let me have what's the the mullet. I had a mullet for a mullet. Oh, oh yeah. perfect. I yeah. need to see those pictures. <laughs> put we'll put it in the show notes. I was redneck, <laughs> white trash, trailer park, you know, living. That was that was my oh, childhood. Rocky. Yeah, no. I was so, Rocky. So Texas Rocky. This he's been Sylvester has been accused of stealing this story from an actual boxer no named Rocky. His name was Rocky. Wow. Yep. Yep. And he had a, a, a title shot and he went all the rounds and he lost. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think he was sued by this guy and they settled. Right. But okay. Sly to this day has has said, no, this is this is not the story of you. You know, there's whatever likeness there is. I might have gotten the name from maybe it was from you i saw the name but this is not this is my own story wow that's so interesting because yeah. i i want to say and i i'm kicking myself for not refreshing my memory on this story of him writing this because it was such a big deal and and canon for actors and writers alike but he originally wrote a, a, a the script about an actor who was down on his luck from what I remember. And if I'm wrong, I'm really sorry. I will correct it 
in the show notes. But from what I remember, he he wrote a story about, and you know, someone was like, "Yeah, that's really good," but we don't want to hear the story about actors. You know, find something else. And so he he made a new version about a, a obviously a, a boxer. And my impression was that he got Rocky from Rocky Marciano, and that was kind of why he included the discussion mm-hmm. about Rocky Marciano in the in, in the in the film. But that's amazing. Yeah, I'm sure I've probably heard that at some point. And my impression of yeah. Sly is. He would give credit where credit is due, but at the same time, I don't know him personally. That's just kind of my public perception of him. Who knows? I mean, this is a really rough business and people still credit all the time and still whatever but, it takes. But here's the deal. Just because let's say he did. Mm. Let's say he wrote it about that. So what? That guy does not is not entitled to anything. True. That's out in the public. Sly wrote this. Sly wrote this script just because I, if I wrote, a story that just happened that was aligned with your life mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you're not entitled to that if i write my own story right i mean oh. i don't know i'm not a lawyer maybe a lawyer could make an argument but you know i don't hold any kind of thought that sly would owe anybody anything i that. think it ranges based on what's publicly available so like Someone could, you know, maybe over the course of listening to 145 episodes of our podcast, stitch together my story and then say and then use that for their film. And I would probably not have any recourse. Whereas if you took details that were not publicly available and then use that for your story, that might be more indefensible and you might oh, be, that makes sense you would have more liability in that case so i think it it ranges a little bit based on publicly available information because well you know, fights are pretty public yeah exactly exactly to your point yeah. like i i yeah. agree i don't think he would necessarily owe even if he did necessarily owe this guy mm-hmm. everything but it's probably also the thing that's smart to settle out of court on because the last and, thing you want to do is well, end up owing royalties yeah. on you know Rocky two, three, four, five, Rocky Balboa, uh-huh. Creed one, Creed two, probably Creed three, right. Creed four. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> just banking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, no, ex- exactly. And also he probably didn't even need to settle out of court. Cause, cause like really the movie is not about boxing. We've said this before, yeah. just because it aligns with someone else's story that, that sorry about it. Like, did you meet and get with a woman named Adrian who worked at a pet store? <laughs> right. Like, you know, like, did she have a brother who was an asshole? I don't know. One more thing I wanted to say, and uh, this will be the last thing, okay. is that I, I do. One of the things I loved about this movie is that everybody I feel like everybody is redeemed. Right. Everybody. Mm-hmm. There's a good side to to pretty much everybody. Apollo hugs Rocky at the end. He said there won't be a rematch. Right. There'll yeah. be no rematch. Right. Which is I wouldn't want there, one there. Yeah. yeah well, there is oh right but no. <laughs> um but but that redeems apollo now apollo has respect for rocky right like and he shows it he like gives him the respect verbally rocky is redeemed because he 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 didn't win but he went the distance right mm-hmm. the lone shark guy was in the crowd right he's there supporting him even polly even polly like like Adrian runs up to the ring. She's trying to get to rock, right? And they're tr- they're not letting Polly in. They're not letting him into the ring. So she yells, "Polly!" And he oh, he like pulls up the ring rope so she can slide in un- behind him and blocks the view of the the cop from seeing her climb into the ring. He like wow. helps her sneak in to get to Rocky. 
even Polly is redeemed in a way. He's still a total asshole, <laughs> but it's just a tiny little thing, man. But it's so beautiful. I think Polly is the spirit of Philly. I think the naming convention is kind of good call alluding to that because my impression of Philly is not good. Like I, that might mm-hmm. be the city I hate most. And I'm, I'm really sorry if, if any, if we actually have any listeners in Philly, I'm sure you're good people, but my impression <laughs> of Philly comes from Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles football games growing up and watching like Michael Irvin's final play in his career was a neck injury and he's on the field and you know, you don't know if this guy's paralyzed. They bring out a neck brace and they bring the ambulance onto the field to to cart him off. And it's devastating. And meanwhile, like Philly fans are cheering, like they're cheering this on. And it's just like, wow, y'all are like the literal worst. <laughs> and, wow. but, but the best part is when someone was interviewing uh, Michael Irvin, I forget if it was Jim Rome or who it was, but they bring that up and they're like, how did you feel about, you know, your the last your your career ending on a play with this, you know, horrific neck injury and you're being cheered, you know, the Philly's cheering on basically your injury. Like the the protocol is not to cheer someone who's being loaded up. Someone walks off the field, you cheer that. And then you're also just quiet until we know what's going on. Like there's there's this kind of sports protocols that you know, as fans, you understand. And so for Philly to be kind of cheering that whole time, because, and so they're asking Michael Irvin this, he's like, how'd you feel about that? He's like, man, I was killing them for years. If I was them, I'd be cheering too. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) what a class act. Nice. So I good. used to always base I used to always base my opinion on Philadelphia on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So it's still pretty shitty. <laughs> That's so good. Those are pretty awful human <laughs> pretty beings. Bad. Even so, though they shoot that in LA. I but feel like anyway. Paulie was kind of embodying the spirit of Philly in, in its own way. Right yeah, around, that's a good point. Yeah. You're really good at like finding these naming convention things. I would not have seen that, but I totally get it. I totally where there's like you know, they're uh, totally awful human being but there's still a human in there and like that you it comes out when it's necessary yeah right because i when it's like really absolutely because i do feel like you know for all the the trash i was just talking about philly if someone got stuck in a corner and your 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 boy from philly was there he's going knuckles up like he's gonna go toe to toe with anybody he's gonna have your back more than anybody else in america so you know what you would also punch you in the face yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) all right philly we're done picking on you we're done picking on you yeah um (laughs) nice yeah so i love it i don't know that's all i got (laughs) okay cool what are you going to recommend this week oh okay so i wanted to kind of stick with the fight the fight stuff but you know not really boxing i don't really like a whole lot of boxing films i feel like they're a little boring and and predictable in a lot of ways I'm going to recommend the first time I ever saw Tony Jaw on screen melted my brain. The things this guy did, and he does all his own stunts in, in his films, and they're amazing. Like I, It's kind of unbelievable to see a human being do the kinds of things that this guy can do. So I'm going to recommend the first Tony Jaw film I ever saw, Ong Bak, The Thai Warrior. Uh. And I mean, you should absolutely go watch it immediately and just take freaking notes, man. This, you, you know, you have there, there are there are martial artists, you know, in films all over the place. Right. And and they're all amazing. They really are. But 
I don't think anybody has ever been or maybe ever will be as good as Tony Jaw. It will your mouth will be on the ground watching this guy He's do incredible. the things that he does. And it's it's absolutely incredible. So, yeah. Fantastic. Great recommendation. Yeah. I'm going to recommend Thanks. a documentary. Boring. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> It's called Unforgivable Blackness, The Rise and Fall of Jack Johnson. This was a boxer from the turn of the 19th uh, century. It's like the 1900s. And he was Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson before, you know, 100 years before both of them. He is absolutely incredible. And I think there might be a movie in the making about him, which is super exciting. But I highly recommend this documentary. If you like boxing and you can appreciate, you know, some historical stuff, he is a fascinating character and wild and like hilarious and all the things like it's such a such an interesting character that I. Yeah. So go check that out. Unforgivable blackness. uh, The rise and fall of Jack Johnson. Stay tuned. Next week, we continue down the rocky path and we are going to take a look at Creed. The Ryan Coogler film starring Michael B. Jordan and, of course, shot by our favorite cinematographer, Rachel Morrison. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I'm almost positive she shot that. Yeah. So stay tuned. Watch that next week. I think it's streaming on HBO. Yeah. Anyway. So subscribe, review on iTunes, and don't forget to leave us a note if there's something you want us to talk about and maybe a kind of thing you want to talk about or things that you find interesting or if you just want to say hello because, you know, we're lonely and we're almost done with this whole pandemic stuff and you're just like, hey, I want to say hi to somebody. You can say hi to us. I want to give a shout out to our new patronite, Shamari. Man, thank you, sir. Yeah, baby. We, we, have a, we have a growing family. Our family just grows. New baby. <laughs> Love it. Dude. That's awesome. Thanks, yeah, man. Thanks, bro. And we'll have more stuff you know, for you and uh, so much, I'm, I'm trying to work out some scheduling. My schedule just got crazy busy, but I, I'll try to have some new fun stuff, exclusive stuff for, for our patrons. And don't, if you want to comment on this episode in particular, you can do that at the slash Rocky. And our quote of the day is from Sylvester Stallone. Every champion was once a contender that refused to give up. And that's that right there is what I'm talking about. Like those kinds of things speak to me in a way that, that, you know, a love story never will. It's the definition of life. You know, there was once a, and maybe I've mentioned this to you or I've mentioned it on this podcast before. There was, there was a, a comic strip that I saw one day and there, it was two guys. Mm-hmm. You, I've told you about this. Yeah. We've, two we've guys. inserted one, this into the show notes before. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, perfect. Well, this is the same thing. It's like, man, you know, you just keep going. You just keep going because you never know what that next swing of the axe might lead to. You know, it's fantastic. I, I love this quote. It's so good. Yeah. And sorry, I interrupted because uh, just to flesh it out for people, the commentary, you know, he's talking about is there's there's two tunnels being dug and they're kind of stacked on top of each other. And one guy is is using his pickaxe and he's digging his way through and he's like i don't know several yards away from from getting you know the diamonds they're they're like diamond you know miners and then you know he's just going at it and then the guy beneath him is like just a an inch away from breaking through that wall that would lead to this big cache of of diamonds and and gold and you know the his dreams and hopes but he's he's walking away he's finally just kind of tired and it's that 
that same point that you're talking about is like, don't give up. You just don't know where your breakthrough is going to come. And so, yeah, I, I, when I saw this quote, I was like, oh, that doesn't summarize everything in life. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, it's such a great perspective because it's so easy to look at someone who's on top of the world and forget that they once had to fight for what, where, where they are. And it almost doesn't matter who you're talking about. Even, you know, some of the people who had the biggest handouts, you know, the biggest starting line advantage, they still had to work at some point. At some point, they still had to face adversity. And the vast majority of people that are in the limelight aren't those people. I feel like a lot of the people who have these big advantages don't really push very much in their life. You never hear about them. They're just kind of laid up in the Galapagos or wherever, like as opposed to someone like a Rocky or, you know, if we were to dive into the story of Apollo, he wasn't just, you know, born a great fighter. Like he had to fight for getting that championship belt that allowed him to give Sylvester uh, Rocky the chance to fight for the belt. Like everybody, everybody's had to fight at some point in their life because that's part of life. It's never gonna be easy. It's never gonna be handed to you. It's always gonna be, a, you know, figure it out. And I mean, that's what I'm working through, you know, you know, you're working through all the time. Like we're gonna figure it out. You know, we're not there yet, but I'm not gonna let someone else tell me when I need to stop either. Agreed. Awesome. Awesome quote, man. Well, thank you. This was fun. I really enjoyed this. I learned a whole lot and I was really glad to watch this film again. It's been way too long. I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to see it again before the next two decades are up. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And like Wes said, please review us, subscribe, share us with your friends, all that good stuff, and let us know what you'd like to see us cover. And join us next week. We'll be covering Creed, so make sure to catch up on that. Until then, I'm Todd. I am Wes. Go watch some movies. Yeah.